Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. I want you to turn, if you would, just for a moment back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, as we touched on a few of these verses this morning, I want to go back and pick up here, and then we're going to move on tonight. Begin to talk about tonight in this series, as we've emphasized over and over for good reason, uh, as to the way God leads us through our spirit, by His Holy Spirit, in no other way. He does so through the Word and the witness by the help of the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't do it by circumstances, opportunities. He doesn't do it through any means of the natural. As we talked about this morning out of the book of Psalms, we're not to be like the horse or the mule. God doesn't lead us by bridles and bits and outward things. God leads us from within. And we have the privilege of knowing and walking in what is his his plan and his will and his purpose for us. So here in Ephesians chapter 5, as we were talking about this morning, as we're going to just read down through it a little bit so we get the context, and especially for those that are joining us for the first time tonight, may have been in services with their their church this morning. Verse 8 of Ephesians 5 says, That you were once darkness, say, I am no more. So you were once darkness, but now... You're light in the Lord. Say, I am light in the Lord. So what should we do? Walk as children of light. If we're led by God and walking out what God has for us, He's leading us away from darkness, and He's leading us into all that is truly light of God, which is obviously His work, His plan for us. Verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Next verse. Verse 10, finding out what? Tell me. Finding out, this is, this is critical, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Who's supposed to do that? You are. You are. So if you even think about acceptable in the sense of things were to do, behavior, that kind of stuff, all that's still the will of God. All that's still being led by God and, excuse me, walking in God's plan for our life. I've got to find that out. I've got to find that out. How do I find out what's acceptable to the Lord? How do I find out what's acceptable to the Lord? Thank you. Say it out loud. No, that's out loud. Come on, man. You were a, you were a soccer player. A little louder, please. Okay. So how do I find out what's acceptable to the Lord? Through the Word and through the inward witness. That's the way I find out what's acceptable to the Lord. If I want to know what's acceptable to the Lord, it's clearly going to be in line with His will, and that's going to come from an understanding of the Word and the inward witness. If I'm about to make a decision to do something in my life that I may not even look at in the natural as something that may, to me, kind of seem unacceptable, but it may not be acceptable for God for me to do that, only way I'm going to know is by that inward witness. Amen? So again, where to find out what is acceptable to the Lord? Say, I have to do that. Verse 11, and have what? No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, I won't go into that yet tonight. We'll touch on that Wednesday. But we're going to start talking about tonight relating to how God leads us as we're about, about to go back into again in Romans chapter 8 for a brief moment that we want to become so aware of God's guidance, God's leading, that we never miss it with God. That's what we want to try to get to. So we got to make sure to do that. We have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather do what? Expose them. Now, why would we have no fellowship with the works of darkness? Because we're light. And if we want to walk as children of the light in the will of God, we can't continue to fellowship with darkness and do so. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by what? The light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, arise, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. 15, see then, see then, that you walk circumspectly, carefully, 
that you carefully walk through this life. You don't just go through this life, whatever happens, happens, no big deal. No, 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 no. That you carefully think about your decisions, carefully think about what you're doing with your time, day in and day out. It's like Moses said in the Psalms, teach me, Lord, to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. So we need to say, God, you need to constantly remind me of every single moment of, of the, each day that I have. I can't get that back. That I don't need to be wasting that in things that are obviously not going to help me to walk out what is your plan for my life. You know, a lot of people say, well, this would take a lot of diligence. Do you know God's a worker? And you know God rewards diligence? Amen. The Bible's clear about this. I mean, there's so many verses on this. Uh, one of the direct verses that refers to even Jesus being a worker and therefore it would lead to the Holy Spirit as a worker, which the Bible tells us even the Holy Spirit's at work in the earth. Jesus said when he was here, my father's working. He's what? Working. God's a worker. One of the things Christians would learn is that if they would get really diligent at spiritual things, it would benefit them so exponentially in so many areas of their life. But they're just not willing to put in the effort, the work to do it. It's not going to just happen. This is something you got to obviously press in to do. Amen? So again, 15, we got to walk carefully. So walking carefully takes diligence. Walking carefully takes effort. Walking carefully means I pay attention to what I'm doing, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm reading. There, there's times when I'll guarantee you, man, I, you know, I was thinking of it the other day. I, I don't do much of this anymore, although I may wind up doing some of it this year in January. But uh, as far as late times on a Saturday or something and then come and preaching on Sunday, <clears throat> you know, I knew God told me. Back in the day when we were part of Christian class or cruisers, I obeyed God. We helped them for many years. Some of you helped uh, do a part of that. <clears throat> and I knew God told me to do that. But I also knew when God said, time to step out of that. And honestly, we kind of transitioned them into a whole new realm of how to be able to do car shows from the actual perspective of the audio and all that kind of stuff and the games and everything else. Now they've just carried on with it and done a great job. And it was all because God had us come in, people who were available to them who understood these things, they did not, and we were able to help them with that. Amen? So there's times and seasons God may bring you into a situation to help others like that, but it doesn't mean he may have you there forever. <clears throat> but you got to understand very carefully that you and I need to know, just like us being involved with that, there's times that even as you're doing stuff God wants you to do, it can be challenging physically. So when I would do those car shows in the summertime, many of you might remember this, but in the summertime, I mean, those car shows, they would push back even further. They're in the evenings on Saturdays. So in July, I can't remember they did it in June, but I know we did, I think we did June. I don't remember. I know July and August, like normally we'd start at five. Well, those shows got pushed back to seven. Usually it was five to nine. You know, so now it's actually going from 7 to 11, 10, 30, 11. Well, you got to realize that's just to get to the end of the car show. Where were the car shows? Bedford ISD. What happened after the car show? Guess who's there with all the equipment? Guess who has the sound system to tear down? Guess who has all that to put up? Along with some of you that helped. But then I got to do what with all that stuff? I got to drive it all the way back to Ponder. I got to go drop the trailer off. I got to go get home. Guess what happens when you get home after a car show, you know, for basically five and a half, six hours of the whole time of time of setup and everything. How many think your pastor probably a little sweaty? Might need to take a shower, especially in the summertime, right? So you're talking me by the time I get home, shower and all that stuff, you're talking getting to bed sometimes, you know, 1.30, 2 o'clock, doing my best to get through that as diligent as I could. Did you ever see me miss a Sunday morning? Now, I'm not trying to push, push me into the forefront of saying, hey, look at me. I'm just trying to give an example that I can only give of my life. I could do it, obviously, with somebody else without trying to embarrass somebody. But the point is, to actually walk out what God wants for your life, it's not always easy. It takes some diligence. It takes some challenge on your part to press through and say, God, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I realize it's going to tax me somewhat. But you know what? If I'm obeying you, you'll give me the strength, the strength to get through it. And he did. He did. So realize it's not always easy because you have to do what? Press through to get into the will of God. 
16. How do you do this? Redeeming the time. Taking, most, taking the most advantage of your time each day to do what, what God obviously is his will and your, his plan for your life. Which would include, by the way, developing spiritually. See, if I'm not redeeming my time to develop spiritually, I'm not really accomplishing all that needs to be done with my life to walk out God's plan for my life. We could push off again, and many do. We could push off time and time and time again, doing things we know that would help us spiritually, but the more we do, guess what? That's another day gone that you had an opportunity to develop more in an understanding of walking with God, getting to know God, and to know God's will. Can't get it back. Can't get it back. So thank God for what we have ahead of us. We got to start taking advantage of every day. Amen. So we got to redeem the time because the days are what? Evil. Now the reason it tells you that, if you don't redeem your time, guess what you default to? Things that aren't good. Things that aren't good. If you don't you know, truly acknowledge redeeming your time, buying back your time, making most of your time for what is right, it's easy to all of a sudden have that time just go to what? Go to that which isn't good, which is wrong. 17, therefore do not be what? Unwise. How do I live a life, pastor, where I'm not unwise? Last part of the verse. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, isn't it cool we can? Go to Romans 8. It's cool that we can understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? The word and the witness. The word and the witness. Every one of us has the ability to know God's will, to know exactly what he wants for my life as an individual and or family and or business and or job and or what I continue to do even in ministry, helping the church, helping fulfill God's work. I know it sounds like a lot, but ladies and gentlemen, have you ever thought about this? I mean, when you get to heaven and you look back, is it going to really look like it was that big of a deal? No. You're going to look back and say, man, I wish I'd have done more. Right? I like Terry Mize's statement. I'm just sorry I've only got one life to give to Jesus. I've only got one life to live for Jesus. So we got to understand that we can know. Say, I can know. We can know the will of God. The will of God brings us to victory. But again, the will of God can be challenging. The will of God can be challenging. The Lord just, just clearly spoke to my heart the other day and challenged me with something that he wants me to get busy on to start doing. That's going to take more of my time. So you know what that means? I got to make sure I'm not doing other things that shouldn't, I shouldn't be that's taking me away from the will of God. But in context to what a lot of times that becomes, that becomes, guess what? You're going to have to make the time. You're going to have to make some extra time to get this done if you want to do what the will of God is. But the ultimate actual uh, outcome of that will be what? It'll be a victory. It'll, it'll be a victory. Not just for me in this case, it'll be a victory for others as well. So even when we're walking out the will of God for our life, realize it does benefit other people. So Romans chapter 8. So we're back to Romans 8 verse 14. So how do we understand the will of God? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if we're led by the Spirit of God, how many know we're going to be led into what is His will? How do we understand His will? Through the help of the Spirit. we got to be led by the Spirit. And again, those who are led by the Spirit are what? Sons of God. Those who are submitted to and therefore dependent on. I want you to get that phrase. They're not just submitted to. This phrase here means one who is submitted to and dependent upon another. God wants you to depend on Him. God wants you to put dependency upon Him. To draw from Him. Amen? Even strength when you need it. Even strength. So realize, even in the physical aspect of your body, how many know God can bring supernatural strength to your body when you need it? 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, you received this spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And it is this spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, who now bears witness with our spirit, and in this context, that we are children of God. So how can we understand the will of the Lord, Pastor? I'll tell you how. To your spirit. So the word and the witness. How is God going to help us understand his will and help us to walk in line with that will, fulfilling his, his purpose in our life that he already predestined for us to live, every one of us. How are we going to walk that out? I'm going to tell you how. By the Holy Spirit bringing the word of God alive in your heart and by guidance that he's going to give you by this inward witness. I've told you this before, even as it relates to the word. <clears throat> A lot of Christians who sit under good teaching, they have a lot of head knowledge of the Word, but that's not going to help you live it out. What will is that, that being revelation in your heart. When God's Word becomes revelation in your heart, it'll empower you to live out what God says. Because now you're doing it by what? Faith. If you're just doing it by head knowledge, there's no faith involved. 
And it takes faith to see the Word of God work. So if you want to experience the will of God for your life, how many want to do that? Well, guess what? The Word, significant to the Word, of course, is that the Holy Spirit has to bring it alive in us. For the Holy Spirit to bring it alive in us, we've got to do more than just hear it with our head. So that means we've got to be more attuned to our spirit man. I want to make this statement again. The more you're aware of your spirit, the more you'll know what is God's will for your life through the Holy Spirit. The more you're aware of your spirit, the more you're going to know what is the will and the plan of God for your life through the Holy Spirit. So we can say the opposite. The less you're aware of your spirit, guess what? The less you're going to be aware of the Holy Spirit's help to guide you in God's will and God's plan for your life. So what's the goal, Pastor? Is the goal for me as a context of a soul, mind, will, and emotions, is the goal for me to be able to get totally focused on the Holy Spirit. No, your goal is to get your, your soul focused on your spirit man. So remember the first part of Romans 8? Whatever your mind is set on, if it's set on the things of the Spirit, what's it automatically going to lead to? Life and peace. Right? If my mind is set on the things of the Spirit, what's it going to lead to? He who is spiritually minded has life and peace. If my mind is set on carnal things, external, what's, what's the result of that going to be? Separation from life and peace. So your focus as an individual in relationship to your mind, what you focus your attention on, what you focus your thoughts on, is not the Holy Spirit, it's your spirit. The more you become aware of your spirit, man, guess what? The more you're going to be aware of what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. The Holy Spirit will not relate to your mind. Therefore, you're not focusing your mind on the Holy Spirit. You're focusing your mind on your spirit, who you are. That's why the Bible tells you to renew your mind. It's telling you to renew your mind to what? The new you. Become aware of the new you. So the more aware I am of my spirit, the more aware I'm going to be of the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to relate to me how? Through my spirit. He's going to bear witness through my spirit. So I'm not trying to get my mind focused on the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to get my mind focused on my spirit by renewing it to the Word of God. And the more aware I become of my spirit, the more I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because if my mind gets... Again, how is the Holy Spirit going to relate anything to your mind, your understanding, so you can live it out? He's not going to do it directly with your mind. He's going to do it through your spirit. So what do I need to become aware of? Your spirit, man. So the more you can become aware of your spirit, man, the better off you're going to be to be led by God. You're not going to have a hard time then picking up from God what it is he's trying to direct you to do. Go to Joshua with me, chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. So previously in our series, I gave you, we're going to start talking tonight now about the very things that will help us to be more sensitive, more in tune And more aware of our spirit. The more in tune, the more aware I am of my spirit, the more sensitive I am to my spirit, the easier it's going to be for me to pick up from the Holy Spirit what he's directing me to do. Can you get that? You got that? I said, you got that? Are you there? You understand what I'm saying? So what do I need to do? I need to be more aware of my spirit, man. So we're going to talk about some things that will help us to do that. I'm going to refer back to, in one message, I gave you real quick four things. Tonight, I told you we're going to go over them in detail later. And I know you've probably seen these before if you've been in this church any length of time. But we need to be reminded of them. So, the first thing we need to do to become more aware of our spirit is to do what? Develop our spirit man. Develop our spirit man. You know, um, I, I can give you an example like physically. If you've never worked out physically in the sense of like lifting weights, lifting muscles. So let's say for the first time, you're going to go to the gym tomorrow. You're going to start working those bicep muscles, man. So you go to the gym, you get with a trainer, they start working out those bicep muscles. How many know within a couple of days of you exercising, listen, exercising those bicep muscles, how many know within a couple of days you're going to become really aware of those bicep muscles? You weren't before, you weren't even thinking about them. But all of a sudden, you go start exercising, and guess what? You're going to know where they start. Yes. You're going to know where they finish. Amen. You listening? Yes. Why? Why did you become aware of those uh, bicep muscles? Because you exercised them. 
How do you become aware of your spirit? Exercise. Yeah, good. You have to exercise your spirit, man. If you, that's developing him. If you don't work on exercising, developing your spirit, man, you're not going to be aware of your spirit, man. What are you going to be aware of? Your carnal flesh. Because that's where your focus is going to default to. So, we're going to go back over four things, four simple things that are needed. I'm going to cover all these tonight, basic, just basic cover each one of these tonight with a verse. We've got to have four things working in our life consistently to develop our spirit, man. Number one, and I will assure you, this is probably the one of these four things that Christians probably need to work on the most. And I want to give them in this proper order because this is how they'll help you far better if you walk about in this order. Number one, you must meditate on the Word of God. <clears throat> you must meditate on the Word of God. I remember Brother Hagin, when I first started hearing him teach about this, he said, every great man or woman of God I've ever known who heard from God, led by the Holy Spirit, walked in what God had for their life, I can tell you every one of those people were people who meditated on, on Scripture. Meditated in, I want to say it this way, you need to meditate in the Word of God. You need to meditate in the Word of God. If you don't meditate in the Word of God, you're not giving your spirit time to pick those things up. Because what we're wanting is revelation of those things. Right. How do you get revelation? Meditating. Meditating. Some of you, you've got to realize this. You could spend, now this is, this is, this is not only Bible, but because I can, obviously it needs to be backed up with the Bible. I can show you this in the Bible, but for the sake of time, because we're just going to briefly touch on all four of these, I'm going to tell you again, a guy who walked this out, Brother Hagin, who learned it from the Lord, and the Lord taught him this. He said, Kenneth, he said, you would be far better off to take more time to just lay on your bed, take some verses, and meditate on them, than spend all this time in prayer. Because all this time you're doing in prayer, guess what you're doing? You're talking the whole time. But if you would just get quiet and lay on your bed and take some verses that I've given you and just meditate on those verses, he said, you would watch the Word of God come alive. And as it does, guess what it's going to do? It's going to make you more aware of your spirit. Where's that Word of God coming alive at? Not in your brain. It's coming alive in your spirit. So meditation in the Word of God is like chewing natural food. And it's how you begin to extract the revelation from that in your spirit, man. And the Bible's clear about this all through different parts of the Bible. One of the most significant verses is found right here in Joshua chapter 1. Now, even though it's Old Testament, how I many you know it still relates to us as what we're to walk out in the new? Joshua 1.8, the book of the law, referring to the book of teachings, is what that's referring to in relationship to Joshua's day, what he had taught them. The book of, this book of the law shall not depart from where? So to meditate on it, you also got to do what? You got to talk it over. You got to say it again and again. I'm not talking about confession here. It's not what we're talking about. We're just speaking it over to ourselves just to hear it again and again. So he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall do what? What shall you do? Listen carefully. Listen carefully. You'll meditate in it what? So that means every day you're spending time focusing on meditating on what Scripture says. This isn't prayer. This isn't prayer. This isn't talking to God, although God will talk to you. He'll bring revelation to you when you meditate on Scripture. This is you taking time to develop your spirit, man. This is what you have to do. What I want you to see about this me meditating on the context of God's Word in this New Testament as a born-again child of God is going to help me to develop my spirit man. This is going to help my spirit man become stronger in my life. I'm now doing what? Exercising my spirit man. So he said, you're to meditate on this day and night, watch this, that you may also what? Observe to do according to all that is written in it for then. Say then. So not before meditating on it. But after meditating on it, observing it, putting it into practice, notice, then you will make your way what? Prosperous. And then you will have what? Success. How many want to see your way prosperous? Yes. How many want to have good success? Yes. So are you paying attention tonight or are you just kind of bored with me already? Just yes. making sure. Now another translation, the Amplified even says it this way. Another translation says that you will learn to deal wisely with the affairs of life. Why will you be able to deal wisely with the affairs of life? Because you'll develop your spirit, man. You'll be more aware of the Holy Spirit, and therefore you'll be able to get wisdom from God. 
You'll be able to make right choices. You'll know what God wants you to do. Can I get a better amen? amen. Once you watch this, this is powerful. Listen carefully. I want you to see it. Notice this. He did not say do the word first. He said meditate on it. So before you ever even think about focusing on doing the word, what's the first thing I need to do? Meditate in the word of God. He said you're to meditate in the word that you may observe then. So as you meditate in the word, you also begin to observe what? To do what's written in it. To do what's written in it. But what was the first thing you did? You meditated in it. You meditate in the word that you may observe to do all that's written in it. And notice, it is then, say then, then. It is then that you will make your way prosperous. And it is then that you will have good success. Well, if, even in Joshua's day, for Joshua to get the promise fulfilled of making his way prosperous and having good success, who's leading him? God is. God's leading him. You're not going to have good success and prosper if God's not leading you. Right? Not, not godly success, godly prosperity. So clearly for Joshua to be led by God in his day, what did he need to do? Meditate in the word of God. How much more for me and you? And if we meditate in the word of God, what are we doing? We're building our spirit, man. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us to help that word come alive. To help that word become revelation to us. So number one, you have to make a priority of doing what? Meditating in the Word of God. If you do, you'll learn to deal, deal wisely with the affairs of life. You'll make your way prosperous and you will have what? Good success. So I could attribute some of my failures and lack of good success in life to not doing what? Meditating in the Word of God. Because if God said that's what obviously would help Joshua to succeed, how many know it will still help us to succeed? You know why we know that? Because the Word hasn't changed. The word hasn't changed. It will still do what God sent it to do in Joshua's day for me and you today in our day. If you want to look at one other real quick set of verses, Psalm 1. Go to Psalm 1. <clears throat> Say, praise the Lord. These are the things we're talking about now becoming more aware of our spirit man. What's the first thing we got to do, Pastor, to become more aware of our spirit man? Develop your spirit man. You got to develop your spirit man. So we're talking about developing your spirit, man. So that leads to another question. How do we do that? So the first thing that helps develop your spirit, man, meditating in the Word of God. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the path of sinners, nor is he sitting in the seat of the scornful. Why? Because his delight is in the law of the Lord. Again, the teachings, precepts, is what the Hebrew word says there, of the Lord. And in that law, his precepts, his teachings, what does he do? What does he do? Again, what does he do? Meditates day and night. So you can do this during the day, different times of the day, when you have some idle time. How, how much different could our life be if instead of going to social media or other things, if we took time to stop and take a verse and meditate on a verse? Now, at nighttime, what he's telling you, why in the nighttime? Is he telling you to stay up all night? No. What's one of the best things you can do laying on your bed before you go to bed at night? Meditate in the scriptures. Medit go to sleep meditating in the word of God. You're, you're engaging your spirit, man, by doing so. So the man who's blessed, who is truly somebody, as we see, who does not walk in wrong counsel, therefore he's walking in what? Godly counsel. He is not going the way of the sinner. He's not even uh, sitting in the same seat of the scornful. Why? Because he delights in. He delights in the precepts, the teachings of the Lord. For us, that, that's clear. Again, comes from the word of God. And in that word, what does he do? He meditates day and night. This very person, going on, verse 3, this very person said he'll be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. Brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaves shall not wither. Whatever he does will what? Whatever he does will what? prosper. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so. So who are the ungodly? Well, that doesn't just mean people not born again in the New Testament. You see, one of the things you're going to learn as we're going to talk about Wednesday night is if you want to be more aware of your spirit, you're going to have to live a godly life. Now, a lot of people immediately kind of go to wrong thinking about what a godly life is in relationship to what religion has taught us godly life is. No, godly life is simple. It means it's God-like or God's involved in it. If God's not, I shouldn't be doing it. Amen. If God's not, why? What's ungodly? That which is not involving God. Amen. 
If I want to develop my spirit, man, guess what I need to do? I need to be involved with that which is of God. So the ungodly here is just referring to those who are doing things that doesn't involve God. God's not involved in it. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not do what? They'll not stand even in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall do what? Perish. Well, that way of the ungodly is true of even one born again. If I'm born again, but I'm not walking in the ways of God, guess what? I'm not going to succeed. Unfortunately, I'm going to perish. I'm going to not perish like eternal damnation. No, I'm just not going to have success in my life. Who's the guy that's going to walk in great success and whatever he does? Can you imagine that? Verse 3. Did you see the last part of verse 3? <coughs> Did you see the last part of verse 3? <coughs> Excuse me. I think some of you have missed your shouting shoe opportunity. Whatever he does. Well, what, what does that mean? Like I get to do whatever I want, it'll work? No. This guy's only going to be doing what God directs him to do. Therefore, guess what? It's going to prosper. But, but what is this guy doing to make this happen? He's meditating. He's meditating day and night in the Word. Now, I would, I would assume to say most Christians are probably not doing that consistently like they should. But the more you do, what are you doing? You're developing your spirit, man. Go to James chapter 1. <clears throat> The more you develop your spirit, man, the more you become aware of what? My spirit. The more I become aware of my spirit, the more I'm also now aware of what? The leading of the Holy Spirit. So now I'm starting to get in a place where I can easily clearly hear from God. The truth is most of the people in relationship to what we see in the Old Testament who heard God so clearly did so because they didn't have all the distractions most of us have today. Amen. They didn't have television. They didn't have radio. They didn't have social media. And honestly, most of them, realistically, because they were godly people walking with God, they wouldn't involve themselves with all the ungodly of the day, or clearly, they wouldn't have had a heart to know and hear from God. But they didn't have a lot of the modern-day distractions we have today that are so prevalent in taking most people's time away from what would help them to be able to walk in greater success by walking in God's will. We've got to develop spiritually. In this church, we've taught it many, many times. Just like you can develop your body, just like you can develop your intellect, you can develop your spirit, man. But you got to do things to make that happen. It doesn't just happen. So in James chapter 1, we're going to see the second thing we need to do to develop our spirit, man. Number two, I want you to write it down this way. I want you to write it down exactly this way. You got to practice the Word of God. Say practice. You got to practice the Word of God. got to understand that to be a doer of the word simply means we start practicing it. Whatever you practice, you're going to get good at. Amen. But if you practice carnal things, you're going to get good at carnal things. But if you practice spiritual things, you're going to get good at spiritual things. So how do we do that? We practice the word. You and I should be putting into practice the word of God in every aspect of our life. The more we do, guess what? The stronger our spirit man becomes the more easy it is for us to hear God. Yes. I guarantee you, so much of what we deal with yes. in our lives physically, in our bodies, if Jesus provided the healing, why do we not have it? God has the answer. Amen. I said God has the answer. I'm not faulting anybody that's still dealing with stuff in their body. What I'm saying is, if we're not walking in the light of what truly is clearly a promise of God to have a healed body, how many know God knows the answer as to why that's not so? Why we're not walking in that? And all we got to do is get sense enough to hear him, to know what he's telling us to do, and that'll change. Anything about your life that's not walking in success in the eyes of God based on what he promised in the word is all a lack of our ability to hear from God and follow what he tells us to do. Does God want you walking healthy, strong, and well? Sure he does. Does God want you walking in victory financially? Absolutely. Does God want you walking in victory socially? Absolutely. But the reason we're not in some ways is because we're not doing what? Hearing God clearly. A lot of Christians are not hearing God clearly because they're not taking time to do what? Develop their spirit, man. James chapter 1, you there? Verse 22, but be what? Doers of the word and not what? Hears only. Look at the last part. Look at the last two words. Doing what? Deceiving yourselves. So if I'm a hearer but not a doer, guess what? I'm self-deceived. 
I'm listening, hearing what God's Word says, I come here it preached, I read it, I listen to what it says, but I don't do it, I deceive myself. The devil doesn't have to deceive me. 23, it, for if anyone is a hearer of the Word but not a doer, what is he like? He's like this man who observes... In the natural, in the natural. He's like this guy observes his natural face in the mirror, but once he observes himself, he goes away. Immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. Couldn't remember every little detail. Couldn't remember every little detail about your features, your face, etc. I mean, there's things people could point out and you're like, really? How come I didn't see that? I'm going to tell you why, because once you walk away, you're not going to remember everything that was there. He's saying if you're not a doer of the word, from a spiritual's perspective, what is the word? It's a mirror. It's showing you who you really are. But if you're not a doer of it, guess what happens when you walk away after reading it or hearing it preached? I'll guarantee you, it's just like a natural man in a mirror. You forget. You forget who you are. You forget what you have. You forget what you can do. Amen? Amen. So we got to practice. Say we got to practice. We got, we got to become people who consistently do what? Practice the word of God. 25. Because then he goes on to say, he who looks into this perfect law of liberty, law of what? <clears throat> liberty. So this means the word law simply means a type of rule, type of dominion. What is the word of God? It is a rule or dominion of what? Liberty. If I'm a doer of the word, what am I, I going to wind up in? Liberty, not bondage. Amen? You know, they claim when you start talking about doing the Bible, oh, that's bondage. No, it's called liberty. The devil wants to make you think it's bondage because guess what he don't want? He don't want you liberated. He wants you in bondage. So he who looks into, say looks, who looks into the, perfect law of liberty and underline it continues in it why continues because it's not a one-time thing done if you're gonna if you're gonna be a doer of the word what are you gonna do keep practicing you never stop so the phrase continue there is referring to one who practices come on look at every aspect of what we see in the natural look at our military why are our military some of the most elite on the planet because they keep going over the same thing again and again, and again, and again. Well, we've done this already a hundred times, and we're going to do it a hundred more. Why? Because I want you honed to perfection so that when the time of battle comes, you just automatically default to what you've been trained to do. So it needs to be with us spiritually. If we don't practice consistently the Word of God, then when we face challenges and battles, guess what we tend to default to? What the flesh wants to do. Instead of what our spirit man wants to do. In the realm of bull riding, I can tell you one of the things most young bull riders like me initially don't want to hear. Get on a stationary barrel. A what? A stationary barrel. It doesn't move. Sit on that barrel. And when somebody shows you the positioning you're to take, you practice over and over and over again as if that barrel was bucking exactly where you need to be. Why? Because you're training your body you don't have time in eight seconds on the back of a bull to sit there and tell through your brain all the parts of your body what they need to do. Right. You're training your body to do it through what? Repetition, through practice. And once you get your body conformed to that in the natural, guess what? Now you got to get on the back of that bull. And as the saying goes in rodeo world, trust your stuff. Don't overthink it. Just get on that bull. Know that you've got that already programmed in you. Focus, if you've taken the time to do it. Focus on that bull and do it everything, everything you have to do to just keep your focus where it needs to be. And that's on doing what you've already known to do. Don't go through, through your mind trying to think of everything to do. Trust your stuff. Just trust what you've been pr praying. Excuse me. Trust what you've been training to do. Well, for me and you spiritually, guess what we got to do? When we come out into this world and we face the challenges of the enemy, trust our stuff. Trust our spiritual stuff. Meaning what? We don't have time to stop then and figure out, does the name of Jesus work? Do I have faith in the name? Do I rebuke this thing or do I not? Do I pray to God? Do I not? See, if you develop spiritually, you're going to be ready when those things come. Not only that, you're going to know how to hear God's voice clearly. You're going to know how to follow that inward. You're going to know and sense that inward witness every single time and know exactly what to do. Why? Because you practiced. You practice the Word of God. And as you practice the Word of God, you develop spiritually. 
So this continual thing here, as he's talking about in context to what he says in verse 25 again, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and does what? Continues, 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 continues. Meaning what? You do it again and again and again and again. How many times I got to meditate on that verse till Jesus comes back? How many times do I got to cast my care upon the Lord till Jesus comes back? You're still here. See, it's not a one-time thing. You got to keep practicing it over and over and over. But he who does, notice this, and therefore is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the what? That's not, that's not a cuss word. This is spiritual work. But it pays off. Just like natural work pays off. Right? I mean, as an example, in the, in the back to the rodeo world, guys that are really good at what they do, as I'll tell you why, because they put in all the time needed in a time of practice where they just simply rotated themselves into a position physically of getting where they needed to be and then just simply doing the same motion over and over and over again. It's like bareback riders. I mean, the reason guys, I can tell you why guys aren't good bareback riders. They're overthinking on the back of a horse what they're doing, same as a bull rider, or they're not putting in the time on a spur board. Guess what a spur board doesn't? It doesn't move. It simulates the body of a horse, and all you do is sit on there with a rigging like they do. I think they're crazy. I think they're wild people. Crazy, man. I mean, you look at what happens eight seconds for a bareback rider. That's, that's pretty rough stuff. But the point is, they get good at it by doing what? By hours and hours and hours and hours of perfecting. Toes turned out just right. Timing, spurring that board over. Same thing as with on a saddle bronc. Uh, Rigging. So you got to understand, folks, guess what? These all in the natural reveal what is already true of the spirit. Where do you think all this stuff came out of? Came out of the spirit realm. Amen. So if we practice in these spiritual things, guess what will happen? They'll just become automatic. Amen. You'll develop your spirit, man, to the degree you'll have no problem hearing from God. Let me show you, for example, go to Philippians for just a minute. Philippians chapter 4. Let me give you some, there, there are key verses in the New Testament that for every believer that you really need to keep practicing because you're going to keep dealing with these similar type of things over and over and over and over again. One of the number one things that tries to work against believers is to get them anxious and caught up and worried and, and full of care. It happens almost all the time in people's lives, day in and day out as believers. Stuff is going to try to mess with your thinking and try to get you caught up in worry and care. And if you're in worry and care, guess what ain't working? Your faith ain't working. Well, how do I not do that? You practice what the Word of God says to do about that. What does the Word, God, Word of God say to do about that? Glad you asked. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, do what? Let your thanksgiving, excuse me, with thanksgiving, excuse me, let your request be made known to what? God. So what do you got to do? You got to refuse to take that care. Be anxious for nothing. When care tries to come to you, guess what you got to do? The book of James tells you what to do with it. Actually, later in the book of James, cast it over to the Lord. I tried that. You don't try it. You practice it. And you practice it over. And Yeah, but I've had to cast this care upon the Lord a hundred times a day. Great. Do it a hundred and one if you have to. Do 150 times if, to, if you But you know what? You keep practicing it eventually. It's not going to be so hard. It's not going to be so hard, but it's never going to go away. You and I are going to constantly have cares try to come to us, and we got to keep doing what with those cares? Casting that over to God. Casting that over to God. I will be anxious for nothing. I will be anxious for nothing. If you use this verse to not walk in care, people that deal with anxiety, you know what they should do? Start practicing the Bible. Start practicing the Bible. The Bible said to be anxious for nothing here. What should I do? Take this verse, write it out. Every time anxiety tries to come to me, I should pull that verse out and say, no, I am anxious for nothing. I am anxious for nothing. I thank you, Father, for everything you've already done to deliver me from any work of anxiety, any work of fear, any work of stress. And therefore, I release all that I have to you. And I thank you that you're the one who takes care of me. And you keep doing it again and again and again. If you practice it, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get good at it. Amen. And when you get good at it, your spirit man being developed, guess what you're going to do? You're going to have your worry-free days lived out for the rest of your life. But that's not going to be because you arrived one time. You're going to keep practicing it. It just, the more you practice it, the easier it gets. When you first start off at anything, 
right? Start off in anything in the natural to practice something in the natural. It's a struggle at first. Why? You've never done it. But once you finally get in a routine of doing it right, now as you continue to practice it so you keep doing it right, it's not as hard. Because now it's something that you're doing consistently. So it is with spiritual things. Amen? Amen. So you got to do what? Practice the Word of God. Proverbs 4. These are all in specific order, by the way. Brother Hagin is where I learned them. Brother Hagin learned them from the Lord. The Lord taught him these, and he gave them to him in this direct order. And he said, this is what you need to do in relationship to how you order your life of how you're living out every day. Kenneth, you need to meditate in the Word, and you also need to do what? Practice the Word. What did Joshua say? Meditate in it that you may observe to do. So where does the practice come? After the meditation. Meditate in it that you may then do what? Observe to do. So the meditating comes first. The more I meditate in the word, the easier it will become to practice it. Amen? Amen? I said amen? Amen. So we go to number three here in Proverbs chapter four. Number three, give the word. Give the word first place. I want to explain that a little bit more in detail. Give the word first place. Proverbs chapter 4. So if I give the word first place, does that mean the word of God comes in my life before everything else? Yes, but let's define how that's lived out. How is that lived out? If I am somebody who gives the word first place, how do I live that out on a day in and day out basis to develop my spirit man? Let's find out. Proverbs 4 verse 20. My son, I know you know these verses. My son, give attention to what? So the word give attention here, the King James says attend to, which really is kind of a more more precise and powerful translation because to attend to is kind of like a priority thing. Giving attention, well, I could maybe give the word attention, but that could be based on when I get time. But that's not what the actual translation is stating here. To give attention to or attend to God's word means what? That's what I think about first. That's what I think about first. That's what I go to first. Attend to my words. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear, therefore, to what? My sayings. Do not let them depart from where? This is why I tell you and I encourage you to have a Bible, whether it's on an app or an actual physical Bible in your hand when the word is taught. Because you're living out what this verse says. You're putting your eyes on the scriptures. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them where? Tell me. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Notice this. Why? Because they're life to those who find them. And they're what? Wow. Health to all their flesh. So if their life, meaning again, what we know in the New Testament is what? Zoe life. If I'm led by God, if my mind is set on the things of the Spirit, I'm led by God. What's the result? Life and peace. This comes, though, again, to developing our spirit man by giving the word first place. So let me explain. It would be a given to understand if I never opened the Bible, I'm certainly not giving God's word first place. Let me explain why. You're not reminding yourself what it says. To, To give the word first place means this. Don't go to God's word last. In every aspect of what you deal with in your life, guess where you should go first? I'm going to the Word of God first. Because the truth is, if you go to the Word of God first, you're going to get what you need. I'm going to go find out what the Word says about that. I'm going to go find out what the Word says about me in that situation. I'm feeling belittled. I'm feeling like I'm a nobody. Okay, you want to overcome that? You want to develop spiritually? What do you do? Give the Word first place. Are you going to go by what you feel? Are you going to go by what others say? Are you going to say, nope, that's not what comes first. What comes first? The Word does. So you know what you do in every situation like that? You simply ask yourself this question. What does the Word say about that? I'm feeling bad about myself. What does the Word say about me? I'm feeling like I'm a nobody. What does the Word say about me? I'm feeling like there's no way that situation can ever be changed or fixed or overcome. What is the word? See, instead of going by what you think or what your circumstances say, giving the word first place means I do what? I go to the word first. Because if you go to the word first, you'll eliminate all that other garbage. Where will your focus be? On spiritual things. That will help develop your spirit man. Now, it's a given if you're not taking time to go to the Word every day, how are you going to have the Word as first place in your life? You're not because you're not going to know what it says. Right. 
right? So to attend, in essence, in this verse, to attend or give attention to God's word, putting God's word first, I have to be in it to know, obviously, what it says. But the phrase here, to be able to, again, give the word first place means what? I need to ask. You need to have this in your notes or in your thinking to, to live that out, to live that third thing out, to develop my spirit, man. What does it mean to give the word first place? Every situation of life, every single day, no matter what comes, what happens, whatever. First question you need to ask yourself every time. What does the Word say about that? Come on. Amen. I'm dealing with this in my body. What does the Word say about that? I'm dealing with this in my situation at work. What does the Word say about that? Does the Word have something to say about it? See, most of us obviously know the Word's significant as it relates to our lives and making decisions. But guess how many times we just default automatically to what we think? Or the situation itself. How much different would you be spiritually if you went and thought this? What does the word have to say about that? Because the moment you do that, the word is spirit. What are you turning your attention to? The inward man. You're not focusing on what you're seeing. You're not focusing on what's going on. What do you focus on? The inward man. By going to the word, you're going to hear, as as the scriptures relate stuff to your spirit, man, you're going to hear what the word has to say about it. So, again, very clear, I want you to get this. To give the word first place means I do what? I go, I think this thought in my mind first. I go to the word first by saying, what does the word have to say about that? What is the word, if I face a situation, go to 1 Timothy 1, so I can close here. 1 Timothy chapter 1. If I face a situation in dealing with my children, should I just automatically try to figure it out on my own? No, I should go and say, what does the word say about that? I got this situation with my child. What does the word say I should do in that situation? Could I not go to the Bible probably and find some verses that could help me to get some answers to know what the word of God says to do about that? Man, my business isn't doing too good. Not sure what to do. What does the word say to do about that? What does the Bible say to do about that? Ministers, man, all these ministers, foreign ministers, right? We're poor, we have nothing. Oh, what does the word have to say about that? What if, see, what if you made the word first place instead of a, a church to try to be your source and supply? An American or anybody that'll give you money. They're not your source, God is. So if I'm not walking in the benefit of the blessing that God has for my life as an individual in ministry or even personally, what does the word have to say about that? What does the word have to say about that? Give. And see, they don't want to hear that. People in need don't want to hear that. Elisha shows up, the widow, right? A little oil, a little, little flour, just enough for me and my son. Make one little cake. We're done. We're dead. That's all we got. Right? Good. Remember that? Yes. What, did, what did the prophet say? Make me one first. Why? Because if you give, what's going to happen? What does the word say? See? What does the word say about that situation? Instead of just going through your natural thinking process of what you think you're supposed to do about anything in life, if you'll make the word first place, if I make the word first place, guess what I'm asking myself in every situation? What does the word say about that? The situation with my husband, the situation with my wife, what does the word say about that? This situation with this coworker that I'm having a hard time with, what does the word say to do about that? What does the word say about how I should handle that situation? Because I'll tell you, if you don't think, what does the word say about that? You're going to say what you think about it. And that's going to go now focusing to the flesh. And that's not exercising your spirit and making your spirit stronger. You're not going to be aware of your spirit, man. Therefore, you're not going to be aware of the leading of God. Did I make my point? What do you got to do to make sure that the word is first place in your life? Ask the question. What does the word say about that? What does the word say? 1 Timothy chapter 1, last one, number 4. These are four things to develop your spirit, man. <clears throat> you develop your spirit, man, you'll be more aware of your spirit. You're more aware of your spirit, you'll be more aware of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number 4, anybody know what it is? Instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Notice that's the fourth one in order. Because you put that first, a lot of people would doing what they'd be doing what they say they think their spirits tell them to do, and it's really not their spirit; it's their soul. You got to get developed. You listening? 
You got to get developed through meditating on the word to get it in your heart, to be a doer of that word, to practice it, to then put that word first to the degree that now you're looking to God for every decision you make. And if you're doing that, guess what's a good, safe guide for you now? Your spirit, man. Because what's your focus on? Spiritual things. See, I could tell you the significance of listening to your conscience, but I will guarantee you, I know this from a situation that pastor dealt with in his church early on as a young pastor. He would tell his church family all the time, just do what your heart tells you. You want to do what's in the will of God? Just do what your heart tells you. Now, the truth is, if you're developed and you're doing what this says and you're walking these things out, that's true. Your heart's a safe God because now your heart's been born again. The, the problem is a lot of people don't know the difference between their soul, what they want, and their heart, their spirit, man. That's the problem. So he found out, as the Lord showed him, that you're finding out what's in the heart of a lot of your people, not meaning their spirit, man, but what's actually in their soul. Can we learn to follow our spirit? We need to because that's how the Holy Spirit's going to lead us through the inward witness. Correct? But what you got to do is you can't tell people just do whatever your heart says without doing the first three. Number one, meditate in the scriptures. Because if you do, those things are going to come alive in you and you're going to know what the word says. Because the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you apart from what? Apart from the word. As you meditate in them, you start seeing things you're to do. Number two, start practicing those things. Especially things you deal with day in and day out. Practice them again and again and again and again and again. Get good at it. Find areas that you're weak. If you go to a a ball player, football, baseball, rodeo, it doesn't matter. Any sport, anything in the natural, doesn't matter what it is. You go to a person who, let's say, is a ball player and they're not hitting real good. I'm going to tell you what they're going to do if they're smart. They're going to get a coach that can watch them and see what they're doing. And they're going to say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're lifting your elbow again. Remember, we went over the, drop that elbow down. Or whatever their problem is. But all they got to do is simply start doing what they're telling them, practicing what they're hearing. And as they do, guess what? They start hitting the ball again. So this is why we got to do what? We got to be practices of the word. Because the more we practice it, we keep perfecting what the word says we're to do to develop our spirit man. But then we got to do what? Give the word first place. All the time. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word? And if I'm doing that, what's my focus in living out my life every day? What the word says. If I do that, I can now trust my spirit man because now I'm focused on my spirit man, not my flesh. You still with me? Meditating in the word, practicing the word, putting it first has led me up to this place now where I'm now focused on my spirit man. So now I can instantly obey the voice of my spirit. Now I'm not telling you to wait till you think you're some level mature to do that because I will guarantee you when any any time in your life that you do something wrong, your spirit's automatically going to convict you of that. Not the Holy Spirit. Your spirit will. If you're convicted of wrong, respond immediately. I'm just saying, don't just do whatever you think your spirit's telling you to do as it relates to your life. Now, when it comes to doing stuff wrong, you're going to know. How many of you know? How many of you know when you've done wrong? Instantly you feel, what should you do? Obey that. Fix it. 1 Timothy chapter 118, Paul told Timothy here, this charge... I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. Listen carefully, 19. Having faith and a good conscience. Having faith. Well, where did the faith come from? Well, the faith came from meditating in the Word. The faith came from practicing the Word. The faith came from also doing what? Putting the Word first. Got to have faith. But what else? Get else what you need? A good conscience. Which is the fourth thing, which is doing what? Obeying the voice of your spirit. What's your conscience? The voice of your spirit. So Timothy, it's not just enough to have faith. You also need to have what? A good conscience. Notice this. Which some have what? Rejected. They've rejected. They've rejected what their conscience has told them to do, right or wrong. They're not paying attention. They're not following it. Concerning what? The faith. And therefore some have suffered what? Shipwreck. If you look this up in the Greek language, here's what it says. It says, if you don't learn to listen to and obey the voice of your spirit, guess what's going to happen? Your faith is going to get shipwrecked. Wow. Yeah. You're going to shipwreck your faith. One translation says it that way. 
Because clearly for me to walk out what God has for my life, it's going to take me trusting in Him, knowing I'm walking the way He wants me to go. But if I'm not listening to my spirit, if I'm not listening to the voice of my conscience, guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to wind up walking the direction God wants me to go. And if I'm not walking the direction God wants me to go, guess what I've done? I've shipwrecked my faith because I'm not walking out God's plan. Right? We're not talking about having faith here. We're talking about walking in the faith God gave you to fulfill his plan. You want to shipwreck that plan? I'll tell you how. Don't listen to your conscience. He said, if you don't listen to your conscience, if you don't respond to your conscience, I will guarantee you when it comes to even spiritual matters where your flesh doesn't want to do things that your spirit knows it should, when your flesh wants to be lazy and not do what obviously is right for you spiritually, guess what you'll feel in your spirit, man, if you'll listen? You'll feel a conviction. Well, when you're convicted, what should you do? Respond to it. Obey that conviction. Do what your, your, your spirit man's telling you to do. What's that going to do? It's just going to help you. It's going to help you become stronger spiritually because you're walking in the light of what God wants you to do. Amen. Any good amens on that. Amen. So realize if I don't listen to my conscience and I don't follow that, vo- that voice of my conscience, how quick? Instantly. Don't put it off. The longer you put it off, as you're going to see Wednesday night, the longer you put off, Honoring and responding to what your conscience is telling you to do, the more you begin to sear your conscience through, as he goes on later in this letter and tells Timothy, with a hot iron. You keep ignoring it. You keep not responding to what you know it's telling you to do. Guess what you're doing? You're searing that conscience through. You see your conscience through. Guess what you're cutting yourself off to? The ability to hear from and be led by the Holy Spirit. How's he going to lead you? To your spirit. What if I've seared the conscience of my spirit, the voice of my spirit? Then how are you going to get led by God? You're not going to know what he's directing you to do. Why? Because you've become so insensitive to your spirit that you don't even realize he's trying to lead you a certain direction. So, four things to develop your spirit, man. These are things that you and I as a believer need to be putting into practice in our life consistently to make our spirit man stronger. And therefore, we become what? More aware of him. Number one, if you're not already, start meditating in the word. Well, I don't even know where to start, Pastor. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. We have a sheet back there. It has every single verse in the New Testament of who you are in Christ. Start there. Go grab a verse. Go look through some. Find one that speaks to you. Take it. Start meditating in it. Because those are the things above all that will help you as a believer to become more aware of your spirit by meditating in Scripture that reveals who you are, what you have, what you can do. That's a whole lot better than meditating. We're not just talking about meditating in some Old Testament verse that does not apply to me today. That doesn't help me. Right? I mean, a lot of people may not like the statement. We're not anti-Old Testament here. You know that very well. We, we live in relationship to understanding the Old Testament in light of the New. But here's an absolute. Like it or not, the Old Testament was written to spiritually dead people. The New Testament is written to spiritually alive people. That's why we got to interpret the Old in light of the New. We learn from the Old Testament. There's a lot to learn. A lot to learn about God, things we need to know, relationship to our life, etc. But we, we do that through the light of the New Testament. Because they weren't spiritually alive people. They were spiritually dead. But if you and I will take the time to do what? Find scripture. Meditate in it. If you're not doing that, if you truly want to walk out what is prosperous and success in your life. Right? Not miss God. How's he going to lead you? Word and the witness. How? Through your spirit. But you got to be more aware, therefore, of your spirit. To do that, you got to develop your spirit, man. So do what? Start meditating in the word of God day and night. Day and night. One of the ways you could do that, you could take a scripture of what we touched on in the service. That spoke to you. Grab that scripture. Take it the rest of the week. God was speaking to me of this in church. I'm going to meditate in it even more. Amen? And then number two, do what? As you start meditating in the New Testament, especially of what we're to be and what we're to live out, start practicing what you're seeing there. Start putting it into practice. Keep practicing it. I encourage you to take areas that you're weak in relationship to stuff you battle with. Go find out what the Bible says about it. Start meditating in those verses and do what? Start practicing it till you get really good at it. And then therefore, number three, do what? Always give the word first place. And so as you're going through your day in relationship to stuff you do, what's the question you're going to ask now? Yeah, don't ever forget this question. 
Don't ever forget it. Because guess what? There's going to be a test on what I'm teaching you. Amen. Oh, yeah. I won't give it. The life you live will. You'll get tested every day. So you got to start that when the test comes, you got to see if you pass the test or not by hearing what pastor shared with me on Wednesday night. When the test comes that something is coming into my life that I'm challenged with or a question or whatever, when the test comes, how am I going to know if I passed or not? What does the Bible say about that? What if you don't ask that question? You're going to flunk the test. Because I told you what to do. The Bible told you what to do. And then last but not least, you've got to also do what? Learn to instantly then obey the voice of your conscience. Voice of your spirit, excuse me, which is your conscience. Amen? Amen. These four things lived out consistently in a believer's life will help you develop your spirit, man. The more you do, the more you become aware of your spirit. How does that help you? Then the more you become aware of the guide. The more you become aware of the inward witness and the word of God. And it makes more sense. And now you're walking in the light of God's plan for your life, which always leads to what? Victory. Victory. Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.